Okay, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which email contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And that's the recorded portion. The call continues for another hour and continued dialogue. Today, we are... Um, concluding our reading of Chapter 1, Introduction to Miracles, Section 1, Principle of Miracles, with uh, paragraphs 92 to 101. And at the top of the hour, we pause for remembrance for our lesson of our lesson for the day. And Lesson 11... My meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. uh, um, Today, Donna has volunteered to lead this lesson. For it, so thank you. Okay. Well, let me turn to you, Lori. Do you, you have an opening for the call this morning? I do, Lemoyne. It's um, it's a little thought from Rumi. Um as regards the nature of thoughts in the world. It goes like this. When I run after what I think I want, my days are a furnace of stress and anxiety. If I sit in my own place of patience, what I need flows to me and without pain. From this I understand that what I want also wants me is looking for me and attracting me. There is a great secret here for anyone who can grasp it. My meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Thank you for that, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Amen. 
I like that summary for the read. Um, well, I have the witness in reading today. I have uh, Jessica, Lori, Robin, Marie, Donna, Karen, Diana, and Charles. This is listening. I have Ida. And is there anyone else who's joined and like to say good morning or join the reading list? Good morning, Jude's joined you, Lemoyne. I'll be listening. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Good morning. It's Harrison. I'm listening. Good morning, Harrison. Anyone else? Okay. Well, our reading starts with 91, but this is most of the way through Miracle Principle 51, so I thought to do a, a, just a quick review of 51. Um, principle <coughs> 51, paragraph 85. The miracle is the only device which man has at his immediate disposal for controlling time. Only revelation transcends time, having nothing to do with time at all. The miracle is much like the body in that both are <clears throat> learning aids which aim at facilitating a state in which they are unnecessary. When the soul's original state of direct communication is reached, neither the body nor the miracle serves any purpose. Seven, man was not created by his own free will alone. Only what he creates is his desire. And eight, equality does not imply homogeneity now. When everyone recognizes that he has everything, individual contributions to the sonship will no longer be necessary. When the atonement has been completed, all talents will be shared by all the sons of God. God is not partial. All of his children have his total love and all his gifts are freely given to everyone's life. Eighty-nine. You who want peace can find it only by complete forgiveness. You never really wanted peace before, so there is no point in being told in how to achieve it. While the concept of lack does not exist in the creation of God, it is very apparent in the creations of man. In fact, it is in fact the essential difference. A need implies lack by definition. It involves the recognition that you would be better off in a state which is somehow different than the one you are in. 
190, until the separation, which is a better term than the fall, nothing was lacking. This meant that man had no needs at all. If he had not deprived himself, he would never ex- have experienced them. After the separation, needs became the most powerful source of motivation for human action. All behavior is essentially motivated by need, but behavior itself is not a divine attribute. The body is the mechanism for behavior. The belief that man could be better off is the reason why man has this mechanism at its disposal. Uh, like in 91, I'm just going to read 91, 92, and then continue. Each one acts according to his particular hierarchy of needs he establishes for himself. His hierarchy, in turn, depends on his perception of what he is, that is, what he lacks. A sense of separation from God is the only lack he really needs to correct. This sense of separation would never have occurred if man had not distorted his perception of truth and thus perceived himself as lacking. The concept of any sort of need hierarchy arose because having made this fundamental error, he had already fragmented himself into levels with different needs. As he integrates, he becomes one, and his needs become one accordingly. <clears throat> 92. Unified need produces unified action because it produces a lack of ambivalence. The concept of a need hierarchy, a corollary to the original error that man can be separated from God, requires correction at its own level. The concept of a need hierarchy requires correction at its own level before the error of perceiving levels at all can be corrected. Man cannot behave effectively while he operates at split level. However, while he does, correction must be introduced from the bottom up. This is because he now operates in space where concepts such as up, quote up and quote down, are meaningful. Ultimately, a space is as meaningless as time. The concept is really one of space-time belief. So, yes, Jessica, would you read 92 and 93? Yes. Miracle Principle 51 continued. Unified need produces unified action because it produces a lack of ambivalence. The concept of a need hierarchy, a corollary to the original error that man can be separated from God, requires correction at its own level before the correction of perceiving levels at all can be corrected. Man cannot behave effectively while he operates at split levels. However, while he does, 
correction must be introduced from the bottom up. This is because he now operates in space, where concepts such as, quote, up and, quote, down are meaningful. Ultimately, space is as meaningless as time. The concept is really one of space-time belief. 93. The physical world exists only because man can use it to correct his unbelief, which placed him in it originally. He can never control the effects of fear himself because he made fear and believes in what he made. In attitude, then, though not in content, he resembles his own creator, who has perfect faith in his creations because he created them. Belief in a creation produces its existence. That is why a man can believe in what no one else thinks is true. It is true for him because it was made by him. Thank you, Jessica. And Laurie. The physical world exists only because man can use it to correct his unbelief, which placed him in it originally. He can never control the effects of fear himself because he made fear and believes in what he made. In attitude then, though not in content, he resembles his own creator who has perfect faith in his creations because he created them. Belief in a creation produces its existence. That is why a man can believe in what no one else thinks is true. It is true for him because it was made by him. 94. Every aspect of fear proceeds from upside-down perception. The more truly creative devote their efforts to correcting perceptual distortions. The neurotic devotes his to compromise. The psychotic tries to escape by establishing the certain truth of his own errors. It is most difficult to free him by ordinary means because he is more consistent in his own denial of truth. The miracle, however, makes no such distinctions. It corrects errors because they are errors. Thus, the next point to remember about miracles is to principle 52. Principle principle 52. The miracle makes no distinction among degrees of misperception. It is a device for perception correction, effective quite apart from either the degree or the direction of the error. This is its true indiscriminateness. Backwards on the mute. <clears throat> Thank you, Lori. And yeah, let's you know, read that extra time here. Robin Marie, could you read 94 through 96? Yes, 94. 
every aspect of fear proceeds from upside-down perception. The more truly creative devote their efforts to correcting perceptual distortions. The neurotic devotes his to compromise. The psychotic tries to escape by establishing the certain truth of his own errors. It is most difficult to free him by ordinary means because he is more consistent in his own denial of truth. The miracle, however, makes no such distinctions. It corrects errors because they are errors. Thus, the next point to remember about miracles is the miracle makes no distinction among degrees of misperception. It is a device for perception correction, effective quite apart from either the degree or the direction of the error. This is its true indiscriminateness. Christ-controlled miracles are selective only in the sense that they are directed toward those who can use them for themselves, since this makes it inevitable that they will extend them to others a strong chain of atonement is welded. However, Christ's control takes no account at all of the magnitude of the miracle itself because the concept of size exists in a plane that is itself unreal. Since the miracle aims at restoring the awareness of reality, it would hardly be useful if it were bound by the laws which govern the error it aims to correct. Only man makes this kind of mistake. It is an example of the foolish consistency which his own false beliefs have engendered. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Donna, would you read 95 through 97, essentially all of Principle 52? 95. Miracle Principle 52. The miracle makes no distinction among degrees of misperception. It is a device for perception correction, effective quite apart from either the degree or the direction of the error. This is true indiscriminateness. 96. Christ-controlled miracles are selective only in the sense that they are directed toward those who can use them for themselves. Since this makes it inevitable that they will extend them to others as a strong chain of atonement is well... Since this makes it inevitable that they will extend them to others, a strong chain of atonement is welded. However, Christ-controlled Christ controlled takes no account at all of the magnitude of the miracle itself because the concept of size exists in a plane that is itself unreal. Since the miracle aims at restoring the awareness of reality, it would hardly be useful if it were bound by the laws which govern the error it aims to correct. Only man makes this kind of a mistake. It is an example of the foolish consistency 
which his own false beliefs have engendered. 97. The power and strength of man's creative will must be understood before the real meaning of denial can be appreciated and relinquished. It is not mere negation. It is a positive miscreation. While the miscreation is necessarily believed in by its maker, it does not exist at all at the level of true creation. Thank you, Donna. And Karen, would you read 97, 98? 97. The power and strength of man's creative will must be understood before the real meaning of denial can be appreciated and relinquished. It is not mere negation. It is a positive miscreation. While the miscreation is necessarily believed in by its maker, it does not exist at all at the level of true creation. Paragraph 98, Miracle Principle 53. The miracle compares what man has made with the higher level creation, accepting what is in accord as true and rejecting the the discord as false. All aspects of fear are untrue because they do not exist at the higher creative level and therefore do not exist at all. To whatever extent a man is willing to submit his belief to this test, to that extent are perceptions corrected. Thank you, Karen. And... Okay, and Diana, would you read, just please go ahead and read 98 through 101. Okay. Um, Miracle Principle 53, paragraph 98. The miracle compares what man has made with the higher level creation, accepting what is in accord as true and rejecting the disaccord as false. All aspects of fear are untrue because they do not exist at a higher creative level and therefore do not exist at all. To whatever extent a man is willing to submit his belief to his text, to the extent as perceptions Corrected. 99. In sorting out the false from the true, the miracle proceeds along the following lines. 100. If perfect love casts out fear, and if fear exists, then there is not perfect love. But only perfect love really exists. If there... Just let me repeat that but only perfect love really exists. If there is fear, it creates a state which does not exist. 
Timothy 101. Believe this and you will be free. Only God can establish this solution, and this faith is his gift. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Diana. <clears throat> and Charles, would you read 99 through the end? Thank you. In sorting out the false from the true, the miracle proceeds along the following lines. If, lo- if perfect love casts out fear, and if fear exists, then there is not perfect love. Only perfect love really exists. If there is fear, it creates a state which does not exist. Believe this and you will be free. Only God can establish this solution and this faith is his gift. The term, quote, spiritual eye, end quote, is later, is later replaced by the Holy Spirit and the physical eye becomes the ego. The emphasis on the two ways of seeing, however, remains throughout. This footnote by the scribes is contained in the original 1972 manuscript. End quote. <laughs> I love these footnotes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like the only, about the only one, and uh, so that's fine that you read it. Uh, is there another? Uh, is there a new reader who would like to conclude by reading uh, ninety-nine through one hundred one? A new reader for ninety-nine through one hundred one. I'll join in. Thank you, Lemoyne. 99. In sorting out the false from the true, the miracle proceeds along the following lines. If perfect love casts out fear, and if fear exists, then there is not perfect love. But only perfect love really exists. If there is fear, it creates a state which does not exist. Believe this and you will be free. Only God can establish this solution. And this faith is his gift. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Judy. And uh, in the off chance, there's, is there another reader who would like to, uh, another new reader who would like to read 99 through 101? Okay. Uh, any reader who would like to read 90 to 99 to 101? 
Charles is here. Okay, go ahead, Charles. Okay, thank you, Mike. Get perfect love cast open. What's that? <laughs> oh, I, I said this time skip the footnote. It's it's good. Okay. <laughs> so I'm reading from 100 to 101. Um, yeah, or 99, either way. 99, okay. In sorting out the false from the true, the miracle proceeds along the following lines. If perfect love casts out fear, and if fear exists, then there is not perfect love. But only perfect love really exists. If there is fear, it creates a state which does not exist. Believe this, and you will be free. Only God can establish this solution, and this faith is his gift. Amen. Are you on mute, Lemoyne? You, you, you got me, Lori. Yes, I'm backwards. Yeah, mute. Okay. Oh, there you are. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think I'll keep the summary pretty short today. I'm just going to go back to Miracle Principle 1 and say where it says, there is no order of difficulty among miracles. One is not harder or, quote, bigger than another. They are all the same. All expressions of love are maximal. And and then in 53, <clears throat> the miracle compares what man has made with the higher level creation, accepting what is in accord as true and rejecting the discordant as false. All aspects of fear are untrue because they do not exist at the higher creative level and therefore do not exist at all. So, um, introduce a, a thought that we've I believe is at least implied here, but it appears a little bit later in the text. All healing is released from fear, and then 99 and 100 explain the logic behind recognizing that fear <clears throat> does not really exist. If there is fear, it creates a state which does not exist. Believe this and you will be free. Only God <clears throat> can establish this solution and this faith is his gift. Yeah. I'm going to stop right there and I think um, just because we're so close to the top of the hour, I'll ask you, Donna, are you prepared to lead our
remembrance of the lesson right now? I am. Thank you very much. We're in part one, review, lesson 53, day 11. My meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. Before I read second paragraph, I'm going back to chapter 14, bringing allusions to truth, section four, perceptions without deceit, paragraph 31, five and a half sentences. You cannot see alone. Sharing perception with him whom God has given you teaches you how to recognize what you see. It is the recognition that nothing you see means anything alone. Seeing with him will show you that all meaning, including yours, comes not from double vision, but from the gentle fusing of everything into one meaning, one emotion, and one purpose. God has one purpose which he shares with you. And back to the lesson. My meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. Since the thoughts of which I am aware do not mean anything, the world which pictures them can have no meaning. What is producing this world is insane, and so is what it produces. Reality is not insane. And I have real thoughts as well as insane ones. I can, therefore, see a real world if I look to my real thoughts as my guide for seeing. Let's take a moment. Eleven, my meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. Amen. Thank you, Donna. Amen. Thank you, Donna. Indeed. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Nicely done. Thank you, Donna. This is Donna. I'd like to say one thing. Paragraph 99, it jumped out at me. And sorting out the false from the true, the miracle proceeds along these lines, dot, dot, dot. But 
what I underlined that false and true. So all lessons, the purpose of all lessons are simply to sort out the false from the true. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Perfect. Thank you, Donna. This is Charles. I'd like to share something that jumped out of me in paragraph 92. Uh, the last few sentences says, this is because he now operates in space where concepts of up and down are meaningful. Ultimately, space is meaningless as time. The concept is really one of space, time, belief. And what happened to me was I was taken into the space outside of this planet and asked to be told what is up and what is down. It's only in relation to this planet that I could determine that. Otherwise, there is no up and down. So my belief in higher or lower order is determined by my relationship within the world I find myself. That really spoke to me there, as far as what up and down, how how that becomes meaningful to me. Thank you. Oh, that was an excellent perspective. Thank you, Charles. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Charles. Just Donna again. Paragraph 100 is uh, 1 John 4 18. Uh, and in John 1 4 16, it's made perfectly clear to us that God is love. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. This is Jessica, and um, I, I want to go back to the text. I just um, I'm re- I'm repeatedly blown away by the the power, the intensity, and the radicalness of this text, and the truth, the radicalness of the truth, and the 
radicalness and extremity of what we believe to be true, which is totally erroneous, completely false. I mean, this paragraph, uh, I'm probably going to start crying. The mirror, uh, paragraph 50, uh, I mean, paragraph 98. The miracle compares what man has made with the higher level creation, accepting what is in accord as true and rejecting the discordant as false. And then this is the part that just is amazing. All aspects of fear are untrue because they do not exist at the higher creative level and therefore do not exist at all. And then this this is the clincher. <laughs> to whatever extent I'll say I am willing to submit my beliefs to this test, to that extent are my perceptions corrected. So when I recognize that all aspects of fear are untrue, not real, fabrication, to that extent are my perceptions corrected. When I, when, so, so when I'm fearful of anything, you know, which recently I was on a trip to New York and a couple times I was pretty fearful in the cab because I was afraid I would be late. I went to the opera with my granddaughter and I also had to get to the train on time. There was confusing messages from the Amtrak about what time it was leaving. And both times I got pretty fearful. Well, that's not real. That's not true. I mean, it, it's, it's, I don't entirely understand. And of course we know we don't have to understand it to accept it. I believe it. Um, and maybe someday I'll understand it in, in a different way. But, um, you know, this part about, about, the, um, about denial. Denial isn't just negation. It's not just, oh, oh, no, no, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to think about that. No, it's, it's an actual miscreation. It's like I have fabricated, I've just, you know, done a magic trick and created something that isn't real, which um, apparently I, I'm going around and we all are going around, some more than others, doing this all day long, making up stuff. <laughs> like, um while the miscreation is necessarily believed in by its maker, it does not exist at all at the level of true creation. So, um, I mean, we all know that um, this world is an illusion. I mean, we've been taught that and we, and we go along with that. Um, but to, you know, I just want to leave with this, going back to the thing that to whatever extent I am willing to submit my beliefs to the test of recognizing that fear is not real, to that extent are my perceptions corrected. I'm complete. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. Very powerful. 
Yeah. Mm. All down with that, Jessica. Hi, everybody. It's Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. That's really good. I just, um, you know, thinking back of what we read before in the text about understanding the difference between what man made and what God created is is, a, is an important distinction for me to make and helping me just to ask the Holy Spirit to sort out the truth from what is false and, you know, coming from a, um, a stable, constant, consistent state of knowing peace. Peace is how he created me to be in it. I can always trust that whenever I'm disturbed, I'm misperceiving or miscreating something. And the, um, in 93, where it speaks of um, the physical world exists only because man can use it to correct his unbelief, which placed him in it originally. You know, which reminds me of the, the lesson from yesterday that talked about um, doing these daily exercises cor- will help correct beliefs or help me to release or let my, so- my mind go of beliefs that, you know, I need to let go in order to know the truth about who and what I am. Um, you know, it's the concept of space-time, obviously, um, that there is a world, obviously, in space and time. You know, the the wonder and the the wonder and the amazement of it is one thing, but not to get so attracted to it and the beauty of the illusion that I forget that there's something much, much more beyond that. That is the truth of how God created us is um, very important to me. That um, the mind that could create a universe. It's the mind that I am a part of is even more spectacular. <laughs> but um, this idea that what exists and what does not exist, what is real and cannot be threatened, which makes fear non-existent, just by definition, something that cannot be threatened in any way, shape or form, changed or distorted or destroyed, which is how I am created, cannot be hurt, ergo, um, you know, what what have I to fear? So that's very powerful this morning. Um, That, you know, miracles are perception correction, just very fundamentally upside down and backwards. But um, I really appreciated, Donna, the way you did the exercise, and, you know, that the difference in... This is something that's always been fascinating to me and really helped me let go of what I see with my body's eyes because the Course makes clear this perception through the, through the, through the um, sensorial perception of the world, that the world arose as propaganda for the, the mind that wanted separation to be real within the body, which is a tool of separation. So um, the idea, and I'm, I'm pulling from... Chapter 11, where um, the God's son is as safe as his father, for the son knows his father's protection and cannot fear. His father, father's love holds him in perfect peace, and needing nothing, he asks for nothing. 
He is as far from you whose self he is for you. Well, I won't go there, but um, what we made, when we made what is not true visible, when we made what is not true visible, what is true became invisible, and yet it cannot be invisible in itself. And um, the, the importance of, of the training of the Course for me is in recognizing that God gave me his voice. I have the Holy Spirit talking to me, all, I can, and I can talk with it all day long. If I choose to be ready, still, and listen, listen and hear, and um, that he'll answer every question. And it, God's given me a vision, the vision that will correct every perception of everything that I see. So what I've made invisible is the only truth, and what I have not heard is the only answer, <laughs> which is a complete upside-down and um, backwards reversal. So the undoing of it is like anything I think I believe is the exact opposite. I'm coming closer to the truth, which is something somebody told me sort of, you know, inconsequentially off the, off the cuff. You know, if you think you got a good idea, think the exact opposite, and you're, you'll be closer to the truth. And, you know, I just, I can't ever forget that because it, it just, it hit me so squarely between the eyes. And um, what is perfect to you is perfect in his sighting and encompasses all of it. What is invisible to you is perfect in his sight and encompasses all of it. He has remembered you because he forgot not the Father. So only the Christ mind is me, it's real, and only I can only see the truth through seeing through Christ's eyes. And he sees, he doesn't see anything to forget because he completely overlooks what has been a mistaken um, self-appraisal in the dream. Oh, where go out, there I, there I go, and I'll be quiet. I've talked long enough. Thank you. I'm glad you're all here. And thanks, Lori and Lemoyne, for facilitating us today. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. That was all great. Mm -hmm. You can talk my ear off anytime. <laughs> I had a, I had a uh, hi. Hi, how you doing? Great, thank you. You're welcome. Um, well, I just briefly I uh, talking about the the, the 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 physical world is not rich and with with its time and space that we couldn't have a physical world without time and space type of deal. Um, it's not real. Um, uh, one example for me is, okay, in this apartment here, we have a, a plasma heating cooling unit. And when it comes on, I hear it like click, 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 click. When it first kicks on again to heat or to cool. And it's on the wall and sort of in the middle of the wall. Um, but when when I hear the click, 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 I don't hear it from where the plasma unit is. I hear it from on the edge of the wall several feet away near the window. In fact, it feels so far away, it's almost like it's out, coming from outside the window, from outside. 
which it cannot be coming from. There's nothing out there, <laughs> you know. And so sometimes in some ways or in some years and decades, it's it's been easier for me to imagine that the world is real. But when something is just a little bit off of the way it should be, you know, I should be hearing it from the unit that it's actually coming from, right? Then those little, I mean, I'm grateful for those little um, weird things because they help remind me that, no, you know, it's not. It's not real. (laughs) What's real is in my mind, the world in my mind, that I'm basically making it up as I go along and with all of you, we're all making it up together as we go along. And that's the only thing time is for, is for making it up better and better until we see the real world and then realize we're in heaven. So anyway, um, thank you. I'm complete. Yes, thank you. That was nice, um, Ida. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ida. Sweet, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Hi, Ida. Hi, it's Karen. Um, I also really uh, most appreciated paragraph 93. The physical world exists only because man can use it to correct his unbelief, which placed him in it originally. So um, I had to unpack that a little, and what it meant to me was we're in this crazy world because it's a miscreation that we need to um, deconstruct and be healed from believing in. And belief in a creation produces its existence. That is why a man can believe in what no one else thinks is true. It is true for him because it was made by him. Um, My meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. So I was thinking, going to the, the Christ level of source, is a is a feeling realm too you know it's it's not just correct thinking it has to also be affect the on the affected level of like the vibratory rate the very high pure vibratory rate of the feeling level of joy or the feeling level of peace and you know my mind says well i can correct the, the mental level and i could say the affirmations from the text but the important piece for me now to work on is to really accept source, the source being one with source at the level of what I feel. And um, I had a phone call during the break between the lesson call and this call, and my daughter and I had a disagreement. And, you know, I'm holding that the truth... what we were arguing about is the meaningless world. You know, but it brought up a lot of sensations in my body of emotions that are false. And I wanted to get back to that, to that oneness with source and Christ self. 
and let go of that negativity. And it was really challenging um, to do that. You know, it's like the undoing process is really tricky. It's like, I don't know. So anyway, it's just um, what I'm working with and what I'm working with is just really accepting the divine feeling that really change and really heal um, my miscreations. I'm, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. You are. And I, I'm so thankful that you brought that up because yesterday I had a similar thing with my son, and and it is difficult to get out of that emotional spot, and I was struggling with that myself. I I know the truth, and yet my emotional uh, life gets so entangled with how he's feeling. And so I'm working, I'm really working um, diligently on um, maintaining uh, a love perspective and Christ perspective for him, for, you know, to see him as the Christ. And I just was thinking as you were talking, maybe I should get, you know, some of those baby pictures out of him and just like hold into my heart in that way. If I can't um, uh, untie his struggle for him, I can't do it for him. But I can send him that Christ love. So thank you, Karen, for bringing that up. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, this is Donna. Go ahead. I'd like to uh, just go back to the lesson for a moment. Uh, uh, I think it was Jude. It's interesting about how I came upon that uh, chapter 14. If, if the way was prepared before I walked in it, because I came to me to do the lesson, so I tried to uh, find something intelligent and. And it was waiting there for me, a, a note on the on chapter 14 and that paragraph 31. So, um, and the interesting thing is that was from uh, February of 2021. I got my book Christmas of 2020. So that's the one thing. Uh, I could take no credit for anything I do. You know, it's just, it happens. And... Uh, the second thing is I happened to open, look, look for the word. Well, this, the second thing was Jessica's use of the word radical. And that's what I learned uh, in metapsychiatry. You have to be radically sincere. And what do you have to be radically sincere to, I was thinking? And it's commitment. It, and So being radically sin, sincere to commitment is necessary. And then the thought came to me, well, now where would I, where would I get that? How, how could I make that a mantra? And uh, Luke 22:42 came to me where Jesus said, look, Father, uh, I would rather, you know, do this and not have to go through uh, 
you know, what it is that you're showing me uh, you would like for me to do. And then Jesus said, but not my will, thy will be done. So he could have kept on in the fantasy, the dream, the illusion, but he chose not to, to linger because it wasn't God's will to linger. And there was one other thing. Well, I picked up this, looked for a t- paying attention. Ah, no, here. 101. Believe this and you will be free. Only God can establish this solution. Sorry if I'm yelling at you. Believe this and you will be free. Only God can establish this solution and this faith is his gift. In Romans 12, 6, we are told that God gives to every man a measure of faith. And that measure of faith is God's gift. So it's his perfect faith. Um, and, and the idea of, of making commitment, I'm quoting someone here from another book. I listen. I pay att- attention. I obey. And it helps me in every situation. I am complete. Amen. That was beautiful, Donna. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This is <clears throat> this is Lemoyne. I would like to return to the lesson and just uh, lesson eleven. My meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world, and yeah. As this, you know, it could easily, if, if you take this lesson seriously, you know, all hope is lost, right? And, the, and so the instruction there is to do it in a, let's see, uh, it should be done as casually as, the introduction to this idea should be practiced as casually as possible. I know, I'm not... <laughs> certainly not negating the shares, which were actually great about actually discovering it yesterday, This that I had, you know, the people had the experience of, of having the meaningless world that's based on fear and truth um, and be represented by a loved one and, and how, how to negotiate that and hold to truth, but not deny the experience of someone you care about, right? So, you know, but in terms of self-practice, it should be as casual as possible. And because I, I think part of the point is to not struggle against it. I just want to read the first paragraph, really. <laughs> My meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. This is the first idea we have had which is related to a major phase of the correction process, the reversal of the thinking of the world. It seems as if the world determines what you perceive. Today's idea introduces the concept that your thoughts determine the world you see. Be glad indeed to practice the idea in this initial form, for in this idea... Is your release made sure? The key to forgiveness 
lies in it. Right? I mean, it's, it's the key to forgiveness lies in it because it's easy and natural, I think, to forgive what is recognized simply as error. And and if it's like, wait, I'm just confused and have everything backwards, then, you know, forgiveness can enter as relief of the fear that has built the world we see. You know, a world where fear seems to justify attack, but attack doesn't solve any fear. It's a practice of fear, and it's like more likely to engender fear in someone else or call it forth. And, and so in that meaningless world, you know, it's better to take that step back and go, okay, I, this is, this is the, we're on the staircase and we're going down, if you will, uh, towards uh, uh, just further separation in this exchange of fear. And to, to indulge or get caught up in, in fear. And so, you know, the introduction to this idea should be practiced as casually as possible by yourself. I was talking about you do practice. Three practice periods sufficient. If there's no uneasy, little or no uneasiness and an inclination to do more, as many as five practice periods you know, don't don't just sit there and try to deconstruct, just deconstruct the world of fear because, you know, what what will actually sweep it away is its source, which lies beyond all the confusion we live in a world where separation is Anyway, I... I love love your response, Rob. Hey, thank you. I like it. Thanks, Lemoyne. Thanks, Lemoyne. That's really great, Lemoyne. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. The idea that, um, I mean, everybody is well aware of all the fear-mongering in the, in the media and in the world just in general and how, you know, attack and defense is it the egoic's basic frame for its thought system. Attack and defend, attack and defend. And the projection of blame and guilt it's really obvious. It's so obvious. How can you not choose against it? And um, But the consistency and the constant uh, willingness to side with the truth in order to be at peace is what makes it so simple and easy for me. And um, just in reference to what Karen shared, um, really uh, sinking below that circle of fear and acknowledging the... Um, disruption that I identify with in my heart, in the the heart of my emotions, which is so much more deeply rooted in my identification with the body, that 
that root of fear is what I'm, I'm really um, mindful of because the, the pain that I, physical pain that, that is a constant, like, attend uh, to me, attend to me, instead of the holy um, voice of, of, of love, which is con- every bit is constant and consistent, but I have to side with it or it's lost to me and I no longer hear it. So, ergo, there I go. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Mm-hmm. Hello, this is Charles. i just like to add to what everyone's sharing here because what's come to my mind uh, so clearly is that uh, this present moment is where the miracle resides. And it's also the birthing place for both past and future. All decisions made now affects both my past and my future. And since I am so convinced that there is such thing as a past and a future, if this, then that, or when this, then that, is something I grew up with, something I've been taught. It's something I've invested heavily into. And the miracle of the Christ vision comes along and works both in the past and in the future because it can only be found in the present moment now. And as I hear you share your miracles and the love that entered into you in the present and made the adjustments both past and future and the collapsing of time, so this present moment is the birthing place for both the past and the future. And this is the only moment where I have power to choose. And I choose for God, Christ's vision, his vision. And uh, so I thank you for your sharings. Amen. That was excellent. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Yeah, I just um really excited about the ready, willing and able and um that I just have to be ready to do it and willing to do it and that he he does the undoing for me. So I don't have to think about the limit my limitations in undoing this craziness that we've made in, 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 in the whole world. All I have to worry about, and I don't have to worry about it, I just have to be ready and willing to participate with the Holy Spirit that, that constantly heaven goes with me wherever I go. And, you know, it just it makes it so simple. And um, the potential, that my ability to do that is my potential for recognizing the truth. Awesome. I'm complete. Thank you. Thanks, Judy.
a little bit of testimony. For the last three days, I've been walking without a cane. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Good for you, Judy. The walk of faith. Thank you, Judy. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. This is Lori. Um, great shares this morning. And I love this lesson because he says very clearly, unequivocally, that understanding this lesson will lead me to understanding what true forgiveness is. And it, I was... I, I like to do these lessons in various places in my house, and I always kind of do them in the same places uh, in different sequences. But in any event, one of the things that I look at and have been looking at in the place that I do these lessons is an ugly bit of uh, two-by-four <laughs> below a particular door frame. And there's a point to this. And, and as I consider my thoughts and meaninglessness, um, I always cast my eyes upon this particular ugly piece of door frame. It's unfinished and the paint on it is chipping and it's got lots of nicks in it and all what have you. And um, I'm thinking, well, you know, ugly, dirty, chipped, etc. are all... Um, the judgments that I see, but I could see that, like everything, I could see that door frame differently. And as I looked at it this morning, uh, an entirely different thought came into my mind. Uh, without that particular door frame, uh, the rest of the door wouldn't be held up. You know, that particular piece of wood is part of the whole structure that serves a purpose and does a very fine job at it. And immediately, uh, my mind went to my back pain. <laughs> and I thought, how often I look at this pain and, uh, and make various judgments about it and various judgments about me. And it never occurs to me to consider this fine back that holds up the rest of me and uh, does a fine job of um, all the things backs do. <laughs> Never occurs to me to be thankful for it. And immediately after that, I had a different thought about um, an old Sufi story about um, a very uh, dedicated and devoted monk who gave all of his time to uh, meditation trying to think the thoughts that he thinks of God. And, and in his practice, he would get in his boat and go way out into the middle of a lake where no one could disturb him and he could find the quiet place and meditate. 
and he was doing a fine job of it over the years. I mean, it was a great practice, and he was very calm. Until one day, uh, as he was meditating, another boat ran into his boat and rocked it. And instantly he opened his eyes, and he was so angry, he was ready to curse the man in the boat that had bumped him and disturbed his meditation. But lo and behold, the boat was empty, and he instantly awoke. After all those years of meditation, he instantly awoke to the fact that, oh, this anger is in me, not in that boat. In the same way I make judgments about the doorframe that does a fine job or my back that does a fine job, uh, that thought is in me that has the effect of my emotion. It was a long time before um, before I uh, let Holy Spirit lead me out of grief. And it happened very slowly as I started to um, accept and believe and operate from the fact that love never leaves. It's always present. I had a belief it was gone in the person of my mother, but um, in point of fact, she's always here. I, I had much, much, much grief over the thought that love was lost. And that's the way all errors proceed. First the thought, then the emotion. All, always, it's always the thought um, that causes the emotion. And that's why um, I think there's an unmuted line. That's why um, the freedom that's why the freedom is in what he gives us in Miracle Principle 53. I realize that fear is my thought. Fear in whatever form. Fear if it's, you know, he talks about need levels. Um, I made the need levels. I fragmented my mind um, into the belief that unless I have a fine body, everything's wrong. Or unless I have a fine home and a safe place, everything's wrong. Or unless I have um, a sense of belonging with my family, then everything's wrong. Or unless I have a relationship with one particular person, everything's wrong. Or unless I believe in my contribution to the world, everything's wrong. Every one of these things proceed from my sense of lack. All, all thoughts that I think as a separate person proceed from my sense of lack. But 53 is telling us there is no lack. Only perfect love exists. And if there's a more clear definition of the atonement, I don't know what it is. If I can um, allow the atonement, which is the correction of my mind's errors, um, if I can allow God's solution, only God can give us this. I, I can't on my own come up with this at all. I can't correct my mistaken thoughts. I need help with that. 
I need to submit my mistaken idea to truth. Lori, you've dropped off. Yeah, she just dropped off the call. A beautiful moment of silence. That is uh, that's the skinny on this. Just be willing to uh, submit the, you know, recognizing that a meaningless thought causes fear and be willing to Beautiful example of the door frame. Wow. The relationship to the whole rather than the part. Welcome back, Lori. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Lori. I'm I'm thinking I need to quit now. I'll just say well, your last your last word was truth in case it brings it something back to you. <laughs> I love your sharing, Lori. I I just need to recognize my complete dependence on God, and mm. um, that's that's why He gave us the gift of atonement. You know, it's uh, we'll talk about it here pretty soon as the one idea, the one perfect idea to which I can submit everything I believe and when I do I will remember perfect love um, it's it's very simple but at the same time it's very difficult I, I hear um, I, I hear the difficulties with relationship and how um, difficult it is to believe that someone in pain is um, is experiencing exactly what they need to experience without my intervention. It's um, it's very difficult, but it turns out when I accept atonement for myself, I become I become the love that's needed in any situation, and I'll be guided surely and certainly to the correct response. A miracle is a response. It's a loving response, and it is exactly what's needed for anyone at any time. But it depends on me submitting my erroneous belief to the truth. And a miracle is a correction in my perception. Perception is a result, not a cause. That's the the point of today's lesson. The point of today's lesson is what I perceive is a consequence of thought in my mind. I think something is um, real outside of me, but in point of fact, what I see outside of me is a reflection of my state of mind. And when my mind is healed and I can accept the love 
that's always flowing to me from the Father, I'll be directed to a response that's exactly what's needed for anyone, mostly myself, because a miracle is always a correction in my mind. You see, it's not a correction in somebody else's mind. It's not uh, a fix of a situation. It's a correction in my mind that brings to me the awareness of perfect love. And love is what does everything. You know, the real relationship, when I can accept the real relationship of the Father to the Son, love will flow through me because love is the truth. I, I am love. You are love. We are all love. Everyone we care about is love. Creation is so worthy. It's worthy of love because that's the way God made it. All of it is in his mind and all of it is holy. The ugly, nicked-up little board at the bottom of, of my doorframe is as worthy of love as anything in God's creation. And love extends all by itself, you see. Um, when I can submit my erroneous thoughts to correction, love will be the essence of what I see and love will be the experience that I share. The atonement itself is a lesson in sharing, he says, um, because it declares and makes unequivocal, unambivalent, the idea that love is me, love is you, love is everyone I can see. One day, I think I thought I would share this, but one day, one day, I was with my sisters and we walked into a wood to a place I wanted to show them, and everyone there was love. I wonder if my sisters can see this, and. I was right back in the love and I, I am in the presence of perfect souls and we're all here to love this place. How beautiful is that? <laughs> you know, and I didn't see anything special at all, but I could hear in that place the song of heaven that all souls were singing. And that's what he wants us to know. You know, if I'm having a problem with somebody who's having a problem, it's my thought that needs corrected. And when it's corrected, love is going to be the essence of that experience. Um, because, and here's another one. He says, the miracle extends without your help but you are needed that it can begin. Love does everything. Love created everything. And when I submit my errors to love, fear will vanish. All sense of lack will be gone, and I will remember my union with the Father. And that will translate, that translates into an experience of loving union. If I'm having a problem with a brother, I, 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 I want to help, but I don't know how. Course of Love is really clear about this. It says, think, think what you know about the spirit of this one. It doesn't say, think what you see about the spirit of this one. Think about the experience of this one. Think about the uh, situation of this one. It says, think what you know about the spirit of this one. There's something in me that knows that I'm one with that spirit, that we are the same. 
that we belong to each other we are holy there's something in me that knows that and that's the consequence for me of giving up my illusion that's forgiveness giving up my illusion my erroneous thought forgiveness lights my mind and I'm able to once again be aware of the presence of perfect love I can't do that with with my erroneous thoughts one time I had a, a thing with somebody I hung up the phone on him and I was, I was so offended by what that person said. I couldn't believe I did that and oh, I was so disturbed so for three days I thought what could I have said what could I have done what did I think what blah 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 I thought all kind of stuff but I never did once say was I right or was this wrong what was this situation? what do I know about the spirit of this one we can't think our way out of these messes uh, that we make an insanity from mistaken thoughts that's like using the ego <laughs> to guide my ego's journey but I can submit my thoughts um, maybe I'm supposed to be quiet again I can submit my thoughts to truth and let truth decide for me I can see in two ways I can hear in two voices but when I let go and ask for correction that's going to be a miracle that's the flip it's always a flip I was upside down now I'm right side up oh I'm complete thank you Lori that was great. Yeah, that was really Lord. beautifully said, Lord. Thank you so much. <laughs> I have a little story to share, but you want me to wait until after you go into the next call? or? Well, um, not the next call. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I know if it's a little one, uh, please go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, I was invited to a Christmas party by a couple of people I know from the church I used to go to several years ago. And so I went with them to the party. I was kind of lonely, you know. I was living alone and, you know, I... You know, I thought a good thing was a good thing, going to the party and everything, and then when I was there, you know, but other than the people I came with, it was it was a big party at, at this hotel, you know, a rented room and everything or whatever, and there was, like, a lot of people there, but nobody else I knew at all, you know, seemingly, right? And, and I watched the children playing, um their games with the different, you know, games or the pinata and this kind of thing. And there was one little girl that I kind of paid attention to that among all the kids I didn't know either, you know. She seemed to be about four years old, and yet she seemed to be rather grown up. She had long hair and, and all this kind of stuff. And um, anyway, so I was, you know, thinking these thoughts of, well, you know, this is nice, but I don't know any of these people. I feel kind of lonely and everything. At some point, <clears throat> I went up, I, I found my way to the bathroom, and 
as I was coming out of the bathroom, this same little girl met me from several feet away from me, and all she did was, like, raise her left hand up and straight up in the air, and um, immediately, and as she was looking at me, and I got this incredible download of information and love and, like, telling me all these different things I don't remember now real quickly, and... Um, and that they were part of me, they've been waiting ages to meet me here, um, they were my family, and all these things that directly contradicted what I was thinking and feeling about being among strangers, right? It was amazing and incredible, and it was like a miracle to me that, that I had that experience. A little girl came up and just raised up her arm, and I got this incredible download, and, and she just raised up her arm, <laughs> and she walked away back to the other kids, and there was, you know, and that was the end of that, except it wasn't the end because I still remember it now, and it gives me succor, you know. It gives me um, help whenever I think that, you know, I'm, you know, among strangers and, and nobody knows me here and I, I don't have any friends here and things like that. So pretty cool, huh? Thanks. Thanks a lot. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Well, we're at the top of the hour again, and uh, despite what you might think, Lori, I'm going to ask if you have a, a closing to offer us. Well, you know, in terms of thoughts... In, in terms of thoughts or cause, and the world is in effect... Oh, I need to submit my thoughts to truth. And Donna, you, you called upon um, perception without deceit. This morning I'll just go there because it was perfect. You cannot see alone. Sharing perception with capital Him whom God has given you teaches you how to recognize what you see. It is the recognition that nothing you see means anything alone. Seeing with him will show you that all meaning, including yours, comes not from double vision, but from the gentle fusing of everything into one meaning, one emotion, and one purpose. God has one purpose, which he shares with you. The single vision which the Holy Spirit offers you will bring the oneness to your mind with clarity and brightness so intense you could not wish for all the world not to accept what God would have you have. Behold your will, accepting it as his with all the love is yours. All honor to you through him and through him unto God. Isn't that beautiful? One gentle fusing that occurs when I submit my thoughts to correction. I'm complete. And amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, everybody. That was a great call. Thank you, everyone. And do you have the board, Lemoyne? I do. Um, yeah. Alrighty. I just, I just want to echo Ida there. Um, 
say thank you, Lori, for that go and thank you everyone. This is the end of the recorded portion of the call. We will continue for another hour until the next call. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you everyone. Thanks for morning.